Good morning and welcome to Castle Hill. Well, I say welcome to Castle Hill, but you could be anywhere. In the last couple of months, I've watched church from my parents' place further north. I've listened to it while driving, and I've even participated in church while being on a houseboat holiday back in July. So I don't know where you are. And I was thinking this week that it's kind of strange because when we first started doing church this way, our whole lives were transformed. School was being done through a screen and work was being done through a screen. Even shopping was being done through a screen. And as the pandemic has progressed, of course, various aspects of our lives have slowly returned to slightly closer to normal. And church is one of those areas where we're still doing it through a screen. This comes with some downsides, so I'll acknowledge that. It would be lovely to see you face-to-face here in the room with me. But it also comes with a couple of upsides. I was thinking this week about when I go, when I used to go on work trips. It was the people closest to me that I would reach out to through technology, face video calls or even just audio on the phone. With work colleagues, I'd probably just drop an email and be done with it. But family, close friends, they're the people we make time for even through a screen. And that's what we're doing now. We're doing church. We're doing it together as much as we can, given the circumstances. And we're keeping it special in our lives. So I'm not sure what kind of Sabbath traditions you and your family or your friends have evolved over the last few months. I know in our house... We have worked pretty hard to maintain the three pieces of dessert for Sabbath lunch, which was a staple rule back when we used to do lunches here at church. So I'm not sure what, tra- what traditions you have been participating in and what techniques you've been using to keep Sabbath special, but I'd like to extend a very warm welcome, a happy Sabbath. I'm glad that you're joining us, whether you're a regular Castle Hill attendee, so to speak, or a visitor whatever that means in this digital world. So thank you for being here with us. If you are watching along and want to join in the live chat, uh, don't forget that you can do that and participate in a bit of community that way. And we look forward to sharing some time together and with God. Welcome to Castle Hill Church this morning. Hi church, nice to see you. Welcome to another church service online. The flowers look wonderful, Colleen. Thank you so much. They are just, uh, you are so talented. Also, I need to remind you, let you know that I'm missing church so much. It's it's eating at me. I can't wait for us to get back sometime soon. And I'm hoping that the government changes the four square metre rule to a two square metre rule very soon. I'm praying that it happens. I was at the um, Adventurer Investiture last Sabbath and I had to speak to the 50 people in the hall and I was just missing church so much, just communicating to people face to face. I want to share with you a love story today. Jack and Jennifer started dating and things were really good. They started seeing each other twice a week, then it grew to three times a week and before you knew it, they were always talking to each other. They were texting each other, messaging each other and FaceTiming each other. And the day came that whenever you saw Jack, Jennifer was with him. And whenever you saw Jennifer, Jack was with her. 
Whenever you saw, saw them, they'd be holding hands, they'd be talking, laughing and enjoying each other's company. You could feel the love in the air and they were always looking into each other's eyes, giggling, laughing, whispering in each other's ear. Some said it was just way too mushy. <clears throat> Jack and Jennifer were inseparable. This continued week after week and before you knew it, it was month after month and everybody was wondering when they were going to get married. Things were so good and rosy, love was in the air and they looked happy together. Jack would constantly buy flowers for Jennifer and Jennifer would buy yummy, delicious chocolates for Jack. Jack would often invite Jennifer out for dinner. Jennifer would invite Jack out for long drives up into the mountains. And they had a favourite song. It's uh, Love is in the Air by John Paul Young. Have a good listen to the lyrics. I won't play the whole song. Love is in the air Everywhere I look around Love is in the air Every sight and every sound And I don't know if I'm being foolish Don't know if I'm being wise But it's something that I must believe in and it's there when I look in your eyes Love is in the air In the whisper of the tree Love is in the air In the thunder of the sea And I don't know if I'm just dreaming Don't know if I feel safe But it's something that I I mean, how many of you know this song? It's just a wonderful song. Let me uh, switch my phone off. And uh, it's a song well known. But then somehow, life takes over and the humdrum of life, the busyness of life, overshadowed their relationship. Jack and Jennifer were still together. They would still catch up every day. They'd go to church together. They'd go to Bible studies together. They would go for long drives together. But they just seemed to stop there until one day Jennifer asked Jack an important question over dinner. Are you ready for it? I know that some of you may have been there in this situation with asking the question. You're ready? goes like this. Jack, how would you define our relationship? Wow, what a question to ask. You want to know what Jack said? Define our relationship, responded Jack. What do you mean, define our relationship? What's going on? What's going on there? I thought things were going just fine. And then Jack added, love is in the air is our favourite song. We're in love. We've been dating for over a year. We see each other regularly. Actually, we see each other almost every day or almost every second day. Ask anyone about our relationship and they'll tell you we're in love. Jennifer responded by saying, but Jack, I asked you a simple question. Can you define our relationship? Are you ready for Jack's response? This is it here. We're together, aren't we? Isn't that enough? 
B.H. Carroll, a, a famous biblical scholar, in his commentary estimates that there were probably 100,000 members in the Jerusalem church 25 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. Imagine that, 100,000 members in the Jerusalem church. That is amazing. And most biblical scholars will tell you in the New Testament times, the city of Jerusalem had approximately 200,000 people in there. What we have is the church, a church the size of 100,000 people with a population of 200,000. Half of the city had come to Christ. And I say to myself, wow, what a way to do church. What a way to live life together. <clears throat> and no wonder in Acts 5.28 it says, you filled Jerusalem. So I invite you now to read uh, the book of Acts Chapter 5, verses 17 to 29 with me. Here it goes. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go. Stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guard standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us look guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Wow, for me that's one of the most exciting chapters in the Bible. We must obey God rather than human beings. Now here's the story of Christ's followers who were daring to preach and share the gospel message of Jesus Christ to all of Jerusalem a group of people who were absolutely fully devoted followers of Christ. They gave their all to the gospel message, knowing full well that they could end up behind bars, flogged or even put to death and imprisoned again for their faith. If you were released from jail, would you continue to do the preaching of the gospel in the area there? I like, I like what W. Carlson says. He's a theologian. He says this, <clears throat> and I love what he says. He says, 
How vain all bolts and bars to shut out those whom God would have to enter to shut in those whom we would have escape. The hour had come for his interposing hand and all the contrivances of man's wrath were broken, broken through as if they were but the spider's most attenuated thread. I don't know if you really understand what he's saying, but he's saying all the efforts of the Sanhedrin, the temple guards, were nothing compared to God's power and authority. It's as if all their efforts were like the strength of a spider's web, easily broken, no comparison to God's power. Do you remember Jack's response to Jennifer? We're together, aren't we? Isn't that enough? <clears throat> I was reading uh, recently a book written by Josh Ewer Harris and he became fo- famous overnight with his book Stop Dating the Church. I didn't even know that it was possible to date the church. I'd never heard of the term used before I read the book. Joshua Harris says this, Putting in their hour or two on the weekend, many Christians take the rest of the week off, neglecting the church and her needs. And then he says, It's not a serious relationship. Some shop around looking for a church that suits their lifestyle. It's dating with no assurances, no obligations. Joshua Harris continues to call on Christians to stop playing the field and commit their lives in sharing their faith and growing God's church. Perhaps it's time to make a shift in our perception of church from its being something that you go to or show up to something more. For a long time, we've gone to church. Now that we're not going to church, church is more than just turning up on Sabbath. And the absolute truth is we haven't been doing church together for a long time. 38 Sabbaths, 38 weeks, 266 days. I would never in my lifetime have imagined that we would not be doing church for so long. And something is starting to tell me that you are maybe losing your love for church life. And I wonder if God is watching us to see how faithful we are during this crisis. Now, that's a rhetorical question because God's watching us anyway, isn't he? Um, Can I make a bold statement and say, some of you are starting to lose your love for meeting together, the Sabbath, the study of God's word, giving offerings and tithes. I I heard a a rumour that some families weren't giving because they weren't coming. They didn't feel like they needed to give offerings and tithes. And I think we still have a responsibility to God's church, to God's kingdom. And I dare say with less time together comes less accountability to each other, less accountability to God. And I know some of you may say, church is slowly slipping away. I've been doing church on my own without my church family. Maybe it's time to give it away. Maybe it's time to start doing something else with my time. Some things that I'd never done before on Sabbath. And some of you may say, church has a place in my life. Isn't that enough? Do you remember Jack's response to Jennifer? 
we're together, aren't we? Isn't that enough? In a day where the local church is looked at with such disdain and an inconvenience to our schedule, the message of salvation today is so essential and so needed. And some look at our church services online as they would look uh, online for a movie to see you know, what to watch, what they'd like to watch. And the question is, who's preaching this week? Am I going to watch this week or not? Uh, who's singing? Uh, what's the music like today? And we ask, what will best suit my needs? If I, as I have so much to choose from now, I can watch Christian sermons and programs from all over the world. I don't need to commit. I can channel surf like I do during the week. And so I ask myself, what will entertain me? And what am I in the mood for? Uh, I like to read George Barner's material and uh, he's a well-known researcher and that this is what he says about us living in this period now. He says, very, church, very few churchgoers seem to be interested in what they can give to a local church body or how they can serve and be a servant, but rather they look for what they can get out of it for themselves. And then he says, the church deserves far more than that and Christ Jesus demands far more than this half-hearted, uncommitted, apathetic and sometimes plainly unfaithful attention the church receives. Wow. That's pretty heavy-hitting, isn't it? Joshua Harris, the author of Stop Dating the Church, also says, we are not into commitment today. We only want to date the church. We want to do the church from a distance. This isn't what God wants from his people. And I'm afraid that some of us may be slipping into this form of thinking. And unfortunately, we have no church. We don't have a choice because we don't do church as it is, how we used to do. We do it from a distance. But we are the church. We can still be the church. We are the church, the people of Jesus Christ, and we have major responsibilities to serve God. And we're never to give up. We should be caring for each other, as did the early church. And, some, and since church is not a building but a community of broken sinners, who we are doesn't matter if we're not worshipping together, it doesn't matter that we're not worshipping together. We're called to be together as God's children, a community of broken sinners uh, who watch church from a distance. And what we end up doing is we cheat ourselves when we lack passion and commitment for church, and that is for each other. And we can easily say to each other, we're not meeting Therefore, I don't have to do anything for God, anything for church. I'll just wait until things change. Brothers and sisters, God needs you today more than ever before to serve, to build, to love, to serve and to serve and to serve. And I love the story in Acts 5.17 onwards. It tells a story of believers who were imprisoned who risked everything for Jesus and they were released and you'd think, oh, great, I'm released. I can head off and do whatever I want. 
Jerusalem had a pop had a population of two hundred and they could easily two hundred thousand and they could easily say to themselves, Well, half of the population here in Jerusalem follows Christ. I don't need to do anything more. But they didn't think like Jack. We're together, aren't we? Aren't we? Isn't that enough? Acts 5.20 says, Go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people about this new life. And W. Clarkson also says this, Doubtless the apostles well understood what was the tenor of their commission. They were to speak all those words with, which would enlighten their fellow citizens on the great subject of the new spiritual life which they had began to live. They had to share their faith. And if I was to ask you, what's the tenor of your commission? What new spiritual life are you talking about sharing with others? Just imagine the impact the church could have on society today if we shifted our thinking from maybe being angry that we can't do church, our dismay, our disappointment from not meeting face to face to serving face to face. Can you imagine the impact, the change it would make in our lives with Jesus being at the centre of our lives every day? Not what will entertain me or am I in the mood for a sermon today? Maybe I'm in a mood for a better sermon or a better preacher. Can you imagine the impact, the change it would make in not only our lives but in the lives of those in our community. Not who's preaching, who's singing, it's too loud, I can't hear it properly, or why aren't we meeting? I believe we're cheating ourselves in three particular areas. Let me share with you three quick points. First of all, we cheat ourselves because God wants us to be a blessing to others. Something good happens to us when we can share God's message, God's grace with the people around us. And without being connected to the church, we miss out on being a conduit of God. Jesus is the hope of the world and he wants us to be a conduit to others. Second, we cheat our church community when we just say, well... I don't need to do anything because church isn't meeting. There's nothing happening. We all have something to offer, something special, and we all can't be singers, preachers or musicians, but we can all find a place of service. That's God's intention for us. There is so much need in the community. People are lonely, desperate. I was looking on Facebook. A friend of mine runs a Facebook page for single dads. Dads who are separated from their wives and children and too often they struggle and they're talking suicide and I'm thinking there's such a great need there for single dads in the community. There's a great need for single mothers in the community who are desperate and, and scared and lonely and dealing with so much. My third point is, is that we cheat the world. God's purpose is to save people who are lost. God is in the business of rescue and falling humanity and he wants us to be involved because we're part of his team. 
How will anyone know the good news unless we tell them? You know, in his new book, Harris explores the ramifications of absolute servanthood, which proclaims the intensity of the breadth, the story of Jesus Christ's love for the church. And I want to remind you something. God has designed us to build our lives around a local church. We cannot be indifferent or uninvolved. I need to repeat that. God has designed you and me so that we can build our lives around a local church. Even though we don't meet, we cannot be indifferent or uninvolved. Rather, we must be in love with and committed to God's plan and purpose through the church. We must be in love and committed to the Castle Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. Are you dating the church? Are you as committed as you used to be? Or are you just thinking, oh, we'll see what happens, see what happens long term? Harris, Harris also says this, we are a generation of consumers, independent and, independent and critical. We attend church, but we don't want to settle down and truly invest ourselves. We're not into commitment we only want to date the church. Do we have any church daters at Castle Hill? I don't know. I hope not. I hope everyone is just so committed that we're growing the church from the outside until we can come together and be here together. Stop dating the church. The book reminds us that faith was never meant to be a solo pursuit. I love what Wayne Cordero, he's a church pastor in Hawaii and um, he's written a book titled The Irresistible Church and this is what he says. The church is the place God grows us, encourages us and uses us best. Loving Jesus Christ involves a passionate commitment to his church around the world and down the street. We can't be apathetic it's time to fall in love again and again and again and again with the family of God, with God. Can I share a secret with you? <clears throat> I grew up with friends who were serial church daters. I don't know if you have any or if you know of any. Um, they would do the rounds, they'd disappear. I went to Parramatta Church for many years. They would disappear for a month and then come back and I'd say, where have you been? Oh, we went to this church and we didn't like it and we went to another church and we didn't like it and then we tried another church and we didn't like it and we're back again. And so I'd say, so do you like the Parramatta Church, this church? Oh, yeah, I'll hang around for another week or two and then they'd hang around for two weeks and then they'd disappear again and try another church. I've learned just how good it is to get serious about church. And I want to see this generation today to get a hold of God's purpose and plan for the local church for Castle Hill. Church is not some other generation's responsibility. It isn't somebody else's business. It's your business and it's my business. I have to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility. I have to be passionate and committed. You have to be passionate and committed. 
And today I'm calling this generation to do the same, to be passionate, to be responsible. I invite you to stay committed to the Castle Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. God still has a purpose. He needs you. The church needs you. In Jerusalem, people were Jesus' one thing. And they still are today. People who are sick, people who are lonely, people who are wandering, depressed, helpless, people who have gotten themselves tangled up in suffocating habits and destructive relationships. People are Jesus' one thing today. He needs you. We need you. God has designed us to build our lives around a local church. We can't be indifferent to it or uninvolved. Rather, we must be in love with and committed to God's plan and purpose through the church. So are you dating the church or are you committed? Why not commit today to serving? Why not commit today to having people at your place for worship? Commit to sharing your faith, building God's church. I invite you today to raise your hand wherever you're seated by saying, whatever God wants me to do today, I'll do. I'll go, I'll serve. And I'll read the book one day, Stop Dating Church, and I'll make sure that I encourage everyone at church to be fully committed and faithful to God's kingdom here in this church. I invite you to join me for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you're the sovereign Lord. You made everything in heaven and earth and we are your children. We're on the winning side. We've read the last chapter. We know how this world will end one day. Jesus, you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell would never prevail against it. Father, help us to be 100% committed to building your church. I want to be a church builder. I know you want everyone watching this broadcast to, be, to do the same. May you heal the brokenhearted, the sick, the lonely, the scared, the penniless. Please patch us up with your love. Patch us up with your love, with the love of our brothers and sisters. And please send people to us who will love us and care for us. Send us out so that we can do the same. May your will be done in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.